Method to the Madness is next. You're listening to Method to the Madness, a public affairs show on KALX Berkeley, celebrating innovation. I'm your host, Lisa Kiefer, and today I'm speaking with Tony Skrilunas, the foremost expert on community-based development, and is one of the most respected Native American leaders in the U.S. Welcome to the program, Tony. Uh, hello. Yate. <laughs> So that's Navajo, right? I'm Navajo, yeah. You work a lot in economic development with tribes. What do you see as the major problem or problems today? Well, background, um, I come from Navajo land. In in our way, it's appropriate to introduce ourselves in our traditional way. I am a Twitichini, uh, which is Bitterwater clan, and born for the Lithuanian peoples. I'm Lithuania? Here, Lithuanian? Yeah, yeah, Lithuanian, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, it, it happens, Yeah. <laughs> I was raised by my great-grandparents um, in the, a real traditional way. The place is called Big Mountain. It is considered a very traditional place, um, and we've suffered a lot. This is the place where we've had a, a long-standing land dispute. It's a place where mining has happened. We've had a lot of impacts of coal mining, oil and gas. So, so that's all the, extractive. Yeah, all, a lot of extractive, and, and I saw how it impacted our people. and So that's why I got so interested in economic development. And then um, by way of my career, I was, um, for a time, a head of commerce for our Navajo Nation. And what so, does that mean in well, terms that, of that, area? Uh, Navajo Nation is the size of West Virginia. It's 25,000 square miles. Uh, we have 110 communities. We're a sovereign nation. We um, cover the four corners, uh, Utah, Arizona, New Mexico. We're also the largest uh, private landowner in the Southwest. We have a real progressive um, land acquisition program. There's a lot of um, attention to Navajo because we're uh, the largest, but we also have a language still. We still have our ways. You know, we're, we domesticated uh, sheep. Just as an example, uh, it's the first domesticated animal in, in the United States. And, you know, the story goes that the Spaniards brought some across over 500 years ago. And then we domesticated it. And, and uh, so there, there's a, a sheep called the Navajo churro. It's the first domesticated animal in, in the country. But uh, we, we have a long tradition of um, sheep herding and of, of really ecological, traditional knowledge passage on from elders to youth, and that's really ensured our survival. We've been here for time immemorial. Research shows maybe 30,000 years, so, so we've lived sustainably. We've, uh, we've migrated around, we moved around. We have a lot of different clans, like over 80 clans. In terms of um, challenges of economy, we're, we're a very young economy. Government was set up in 1923 as a formal structure. The federal government needed somebody to approve leases and exploration of oil, gas, and coal. So in the early 1923, they, they created what's called a business council. A lot of the policies for really up to the 1960s was about acculturating the Native American. Take the savage out of the Native, you know. The boarding school systems, the um, the treaties, the way they were written. Not only was policy like that, but when the government helped us, you know, they, in essence, handpicked our early leaders. And, of course, the early leaders, they believed in that acculturation. A lot of them, you know, didn't believe that we should have anything cultural. We shouldn't have our, our languages. That our only way to, to success 
is to westernize our whole systems, you know. Including business yeah, Include business opportunity. And that really was the case up till really recently. The reservation system was set up. They moved the tribes, you know. We, we marched 500 miles, thousands of our people, and a lot of them died in the 1850s when, when they moved our people to Fort Sumner, New Mexico in the winter. Thousands of our people died on, on that march. They rounded up, they burnt down our um, cornfields, our homes, they killed our, our sheep. You know, again, we, we've been herding 500 years. We're really the, the sheep herding tribe of, of the world. That's something that we've always wrestled with is when government helped us build an economy, it was very resource extractive oriented and, and it was very westernized is what they really tried to bring into to our nation. That really always clashed with our communities. To this day, our government still is centralized. A newer generation, we've worked to change that structure, to allow communities, because communities is where it's at. Again, we have 110, we call them chapters. Communities call them, you yeah, call chapters? Yeah, yeah, we call them chapters. And is what we call them, Tatnaznet. And in those communities, we all the language that's primarily spoken in, in, in any meeting on government is, is still our Navajo language, you know. There's always been a clash between westernized, top-down economic pursuit versus community-based, um, culturally appropriate, environmentally sensitive uh, approaches. Only until recently has there been uh, breakthroughs in, in crafting tools that allow for communities to innovate. We're fighting this system of ingrained, um, it's really entrenched um, um, system of top-down development it approaches like an ingrained yeah. western yeah. thinking yeah so western meaning capitalistic and for for a long time many of the young navajos that were getting mbas they really were trained in that way they they really got rid of their culture but now more and more of us and and you can see that on our website you can see that in 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 the rhetoric of our nation now is that a lot of us still speak our language some of us are, are very fluent still but we see a different way we see that we have to we almost have to embrace who we are and build an economy around it we have to create financing tools business development tools we have to wait community planning tools that really engage all facets of the community we're changing things when did you decide what had to be done and how you were going to do yeah. that when you live a traditional way, we, we didn't have one home. Navajo has always moved, you know. When we live traditional, it means we, we grew up in the thing called a hogan, just as an example. It's, it's a very ancient, it's like a temple of learning and sharing. A lot of times our parents had to work far away, so we were raised by grandparents. We are raised herding sheep. We monitored the land, we monitored the grasses, we monitored the sheep behavior and, and where the water is available. The same with farming. A lot of us grew up, we all had corn fields. And again, you know, sometimes the land has to rest, you know. So you, so you rotate, move to another area. Yeah, yeah, so we rotated our areas. A lot of our work was very communal. It wasn't all about self-interest. The Navajo teaching is that we survived 30,000 years, but it was our responsibility as an individual Diné to, to make sure that our, our society survived for eternity, you know. So we had to pass teachings and knowledge. We had to make sure that all people in our community knew the stories and, and the ways. No family was about self-interest. You know? So that, that's our tradition. That's, that's what I was taught, and that's what many of us are taught. Again, we're, we're really losing those ways to more westernized self-interest. You know, so what did you way. do about that? Well, well then I was um, getting my, my master's in business when the light went off. 
I was really concerned about the, the economic situation on Navajo land and uh, the top-down nature of planning, top-down uh, approaches to you know most business power plants and coal mines and oil and gas and westernized shopping centers, um, nothing community-based. And I saw that picture, so um, in, in grad school, I started writing about what could be. How, how you could incorporate tourism like and, and develop tourism development in, in a way that's culturally responsible and, and you create tools to protect the culture. There's ways, there's monitoring mechanisms, there's planning tools to really allow the community to, to plan for development but do it in a way that is responsible to the elders and to the culture and to the land. And still make some money. Yeah, and, and make some money. In that. And, and so that, that's where that light bulb went off. Um, I was very lucky that um, I had a group that was willing to support me, uh, an organization called Grand Canyon Trust and Flagstaff. Are you uh, still the director? Yeah, I'm still the director um, uh, with the Native America program. One of the, the foundations really liked what I was doing. Ford Foundation was a, a real supporter. Uh, this is in the uh, mid-'90s, you know. One of the first assignments I was given as a grad student was um, a tribe called the Kaibat Paiute were considering a waste incinerator because they really needed revenues and, and jobs. All the surrounding communities and all these environmental groups were really telling them that, please don't do this, please don't do that. You know, They turned it down as a community. But what I saw was that when all these groups left, nobody was helping that community. So to, they, to, they, they said to, no, to, but they didn't say, they, here's you know, what you can here's do. Here's what you can do. Here's what right. we help. And, and that's where Grand Canyon Trust, they really, uh, that's where they, they brought me in and said, when did you help this community? We don't know what to do. We developed a community-based economic development plan for the Paiutes and, and created alternatives. And, like and, what kind of things? Uh, it was like creating an orchard, um, improving like their herds. Um, they wanted to do a small casino, you know, things like that. Um, a small convenience store. There was no convenience store out there. The hard part is that we're communal in our culture. Communal means that it's really hard for our individual tribal members to say, I want to be this big entrepreneur and become a multimillionaire. And so there's been very little work on actually structuring companies where it's communal. Versus individualistic. Yeah. So we, is- we have to figure out a way where a grandma can get into a business. And, but that grandma is also the, the vessel of traditional knowledge. We have to allow her to still work on her sheep, still work on her teaching her kids. We can't just make it where it's all about just a business venture. So that's where the light bulb went off about trying to find a better way. Luckily, the Navajo Nation gave me that space after grad school and said, you know, restructure our government. Re- give that power to the communities. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Method to the Madness, a public affairs show on KALX Berkeley, celebrating innovators. Today I'm speaking with Tony Skralunas, former head of commerce for the Navajo Nation and Native American program director for the Grand Canyon Trust. He works with local communities using culturally and environmentally respectful strategies that preserves and supports the culture, the language, and the environment. So you had to actually yeah. change laws. Yeah, I had to change law. Um, uh, they, Navajo but, but, Yeah, law. and they, they, people, nobody's ever said no. It, everybody's always like, yeah, you know, we're very happy you're thinking deep on this stuff. Do it then, you know, organize, um, bring in the elders, bring the communities together, create policy. Well, one right. of the things yeah. you did was you have created yeah. limited 
for-profit companies. companies. Yeah. This is a recent space. About three years ago, um, we started working w- with the chapters, the communities. We, we sat down with uh, six communities. They were all complaining that they're small chapters. Federal government, the state government, the Navajo Nation government doesn't listen to them because they're all small. They, they take them for granted. And they wanted to come together and organize an entity to really pursue grants. This is, we're too small individually. We can't even get grants. But we don't have the proper organizations to even apply for grants. And we don't have the people. We don't have the wherewithal. We just are, are, are really in a dire situation here. Uh, a couple of us that came together, a guy named Edward D., myself, Walter Phelps, uh, a few others. And th- these are tribal like leaders, you know. We said, well, we need to create some kind of social entrepreneurship venture. We wanted to innovate. We wanted to create not another nonprofit, uh, not a for-profit. We knew that there was a space in between somewhere. We brought our community leaders together. Some of these leaders are elders. Some of them are traditional singers. In our way, we have these ancient ceremonies, you know, that, that there's about getting in, in harmony. And that's what hojong means, is, is you're living in, in harmony with, with all the elements around you. We said, let's create something that is in that arena that's about saving who we are, that's about saving our culture, but building economy, innovating, using some of the best tools out there. We were very lucky to um, engage uh, Arizona State University. So we've got a lot of help in planning this from them, the, the law school. In, in that research, we found out that there, there's a, a thing called limited profit companies. And that fit what we were wanting to do the best. Because, again, it's not just about profit. It's right. A lot of it is about helping the community, helping save the culture, helping protect the land. We found that only a few states have that. Is that uh, right? Does have, California uh, have uh, it? Uh, I think California has one. Yeah, limited profit law. Arizona didn't have one. So we, we said, and the federal government has given the authority to our Navajo Nation to, to incorporate, to have, um, so we can do like subchapter S, for-profit, S-corps, uh, uh, LLCs, uh, non-profits, but we didn't have a space for a limited profit. So we created that. We got our Navajo legislature to, to, to set up that structure. And then we crafted our first one, which is the Navajo L3C. Your latest project. Yeah. And tell me what you're doing in that. There's a lot of pressures uh, from in our nation to not only acculturate, but to create large-scale westernized development. There's a major proposal to build all outside investors, um, tearing apart our Navajo Nation, tearing apart, um, really disregarding our cultural ways. There's a tramway proposal into the Sacred Grand Canyon at one of the most sacred areas where the Little Colorado and the Colorado River meets. So... Our work has become very paramount that that we come up with a different way, you know, because they want to build a, a thing where 10,000 visitors a day can go down into the Grand Canyon. So camp. what is your alternative? Alternatives is, is, is let's go crazy on community base. <laughs> There's um, all kinds of potential. Uh, we, we can have a plan for um, building USDA-certified processing center around um, our sheep and our lambs. The churro is a 500-year-old. It's in the, one of the best-tasting uh, lamb in the world, but it's also hardy. It, it doesn't, like, destroy our, our rangeland. It only needs to be watered every three days. It's, it's very hardy in terms of survival. Uh, but the taste is, is magnificent. The wool is magnificent. You know, we're, we're the rug weavers, too, or Navajo peoples. But we've never had a USDA-certified operating center because it was all westernized return on investment, maximizing return on investment, market rates, financing. 
that won't work with something like that because we have to keep it small. We know we have all these herders. We can't force them to have thousand sheep. That won't work. It has to be about land stewardship. It has to be about high quality breeding, you know, and and organic. And so that that's a massive niche market. But but not only are are we doing the harvest facility, we're designing the harvest facility. It's called Little Colorado River Valley Meat Cooperative. And this it's, is it's, ongoing. Yeah, this, this is, is ongoing. Right we're now. setting this up. USAA has given us a, a startup grant. Uh, we're going to set up a communal herd. We want to allow individual Navajos and, and non-Navajos to actually be able to own sheep units in a communal herd with an off-res and on-res grazing permits, teach our ancient ways, teach our ancient traditions to these um, uh, new crop of herders because we're losing these, this knowledge, you know. But we want to make it exciting. We want to do culture camps. And um, Are you finding that younger people yeah, are embracing? Yeah, they are. There's culture. a lot of excitement in, in this kind of model. Another example is to... Um, to create an, an investment vehicle, we want anybody in the world to be able to co-own a Hogan bed and breakfast. Somebody to be able to co-own a a venture that's reservation based, a food business, a um, a tour company. We we don't have things like venture cap finance. We don't have. So you're a, talking about a platform a, a, where uh, yeah. any investor, yeah. native, non-native, American or not. Yeah. can go on and say, I want to invest. Yeah, yep. and we'll help, the, we'll help the business set, set up their business plan. We'll help them um, structure their company if, if needed, and then really develop the prospectus, develop the, the, the pitch to the investor. If they're comfortable, the, we'll, we'll, we can serve as an intermediary, we can, but we'll manage that relationship for them. Uh, a lot of times they'll want our management team to, to sit on their, their management team to ensure that you know for a level of three years, five years, seven years, but the space that we're going to operate that in is in agriculture and tourism. It's really, really uh, an innovation. This is such yeah. a great idea. You would think yeah. that other tribes, other nations would yeah. want to duplicate something like this. Have, well, you, have they expressed well, an interest? We, this is a breakthrough. I, I live in that world of uh, economic development, trying to find innovation. We're going to be the first to market with, with this, this type of, um, of setup. We want to build on that. There's a lot of work because there, this is this is really heavy-duty stuff we're working on. But once we set up the processes, we want to share that. That's us as a limited profit company. We want to share that with other tribes. And there's a lot of innovation. I mean, we're right now already doing all kinds of community planning. We're working on, like, uh, teaching our communities how to have leadership on utility skill, renewable energy. Uh, we're working on uh, small skill, renewable energy, just as an example. It's this, so this, nice yeah. to hear some, yeah. that yeah. you're moving beyond not just extractive yeah. industries that aren't your own yeah. industries, but casinos yeah. and you know, well, well, one of the things that we're, we're working on and, and we're, we're hoping this comes through is that the Navajo Nation does like how we're innovating. It's really communal. We're, we're having a breakthrough in communal own, and they want us to work on a, a communal own hotel. There's some tribes that have really become wealthy through casinos and, and, yeah. and other mechanisms. A lot of them have pooled their, their resources that they want to actually invest in in a set of communal-owned hotels That's on Navajo. Yeah, it's never been done. So the, that platform yeah. that you're creating is yeah. going to create the yeah. capital? Yeah, the capital, uh, the, the, the wherewithal, the vehicles to, to allow access to, to outside capital and, and access to the, to the reservation business, too. So this will be a massive innovation, but we see it having all kinds of application, even on like traditional farming. 
you know, because we have um, farmers that know how to read all everything, like the, the weather patterns, the seasons. They have heirloom seeds that they pass from generation to generation. They know how to read the, the types of uh, the different types of washes. And some of the tribes that we work with are like Hopi, where they're, they're desert. They farm in the, in the sand <laughs> and, and their corn just thrives, you know. But they, they really know that knowledge. We have one lady that, that's a farmer out in, uh, in Curly Valley in Tuba City. That's one of our larger Navajo communities. She only waters once a year. And she has an incredible crop lands that, that are farmer markets. She's that's a amazing. Main, she's a, their, their family's a main attraction. So why? Well, How do they do that? They have an aquifer under their property. <laughs> no, no, they, they did, and they use only organic, traditional methods to keep out pests. They have their own traditional seed banks. They know which corn kernels to to plant, and they know that it'll thrive in that desert environment in that area. They know how to lay out the fields just perfect where they, you know they'll build berms on the side. They know like when it does rain that they'll capture that rain. But then when they do water once a year, if you do it just right, she believes if you do it, if you follow the traditional teachings just right, you shouldn't fail. Our communities are adapting to climate change, too, because we have volatile winds. winds we have a lot of temperature, volatility. But and more again, to come. More to come. The scientists before were saying that climate change is going to heavily impact our area. And, and we're considered like a hot spot. We don't want to wait. It's our traditional way. It's our responsibility to 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 figure out strategies for the long term. We're not short-sighted with this. A good way to put it is that our people lived for 30,000 years, and they lived sustainably. They, they really had happiness. Our tribal peoples in this North and South America created 73% of the world's food, over 200 of the key medicines. We were once over 100 million, one-third of the world's population. Uh, a lot of that were, that was decimated by disease and and. But we know how to live sustainably. If, if I was an investor, I would invest in something that ensures survival for another 30,000 years. And, and that, that's something that hasn't been, been thought through. We Sounds all good. have to invest in that. And that's why we, we really put a lot of effort into preserving our knowledge systems and our ways. We, we also have to have a job. Our kids have to go to college. <laughs> um, our kids want to go to college. They want to have a house. They want to have running water. They want to have cell phones. You know, They want to travel the world. So, so we, we're trying to build that system where it accommodates both. If <clears throat> any of our listeners want to know more about this or get involved, what should they do? Thank you for asking that question. We know that this is something that's applicable to the world, that tribal peoples in Asia, even in Europe, in, in South America, uh, Australia, Canada, there's um, a real desire to do things in a way that's culturally compatible. A lot of our peoples resist westernized development. People like Walmart, large-scale development, have always wanted to build on our lands. But a lot of our community people say no. We just uh, had a community turn down a massive solar plant because it was very westernized. What we're doing is really important to, to the future of these tribes that are struggling with this. We have a website right now called Denehojo L3C. Can you it's spell that? D-I-N-E-H-O-Z-H-O, Denehojo, and then L3C.com. We're adding all kinds of video. We have a team that's very fluent in, in our traditional way, but we're also very business knowledgeable. You know, we're, a lot of us are MBAs and 
Harvard. Um, we don't have a Berkeley grad on our team yet. Hopefully soon. soon. <laughs> but we have a Stanford grad. We have ASU grads. We, you know, we have a guy that's getting his PhD in sustainable economics. You know, and we have traditional community leaders that are medicine men that sing in our way. So, so we have a great team. We're building this website where we we can teach our methodologies and our research. You know, the the work I've done on community governance. We're gonna have a whole education area where we we're gonna have papers and research and and even videos、um, and how you do certain things. You know,、um, we'll have bases around traditional economic development approaches where it's compatible with culture.、Uh, we'll have ventures. You know, how, what what we've done to create ventures, the philosophies, the tools that we use to create. These companies、um, will feature a lot of the work that we're doing in the communities. Again, we have a great team. We we have a good web team that's building this. So, but you can already see what we're doing on 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 that website. But it's going to be expanded、uh, in a major way. If a company like let's say、um, Elon Musk, Tesla.、Yeah. Comes to you and says, "I want to follow your traditional ways, but I would love、mm. to build a battery plant." Would you work with somebody like that? Yes, we would.、Um, I have a, a, a little brother. His name is Brett Isaac. He's an engineer, and and he's、um, started a company from scratch.、Um, I work in the, as an advisor、uh, to his company, but it's it's a solar company. For a long time, you know, our Navajo Nation would write a grant. Somebody wins that grant, but the The systems they would sell our people, and again, of the United States, the Navajo people is the one that's we're really spread out the size of West Virginia.、Uh, we still have eighteen thousand families that don't have electricity, and so this is really important to to our nation. A lot of times, these companies would come in and sell an inferior product that's way overpriced with no local maintenance knowledge, you know, no local capacity. We change that. We create our own company. We build our own battery boxes. We we architectured and and design, engineer our own rack systems.、Um, we found very good wholesalers. The the systems that, that Brett is building is incredible.、Uh, whole community systems, small individual systems at all different cost levels.、Um, we we use a lot of social entrepreneurship approaches. So we use volunteers to build a lot of them in people's homes. We figure out real different ways to finance them. So it's very innovative. We are starting to work with solar mosaic. Who's in the Bay? We're gonna make a breakthrough with utility scale, and we're gonna actually put some of the revenues towards a, a stream towards funding a bunch of、um, smaller scale systems on our Navajo land. We were working with another group here called Cutting Edge Capital to set up this this platform, so to allow people from you know all over the, the country to actually invest in in these local companies.、So、that that's where we're headed with this. In grad school, I research community. Base development as a, one of the the best paths for our nation, our tribal peoples, to、um, build an economy while preserving who we are, while preserving our land. When I try to implement that with our Navajo Nation, very young, I was very you know early twenties.、Um, I found a lot of obstacles. Communities were not allowed to plan. If they did, only the central government took over the plan implementation. Communities had one pay structure. Very low. It's like eighteen thousand dollars for what's called a chapter coordinator. Communities were not allowed to have their own legal counsel. They couldn't have their own accounting systems. They couldn't create revenue. There's no local nothing like a sales tax. There's no sales tax that existed. But communities couldn't tax. They couldn't pass any laws. They couldn't zone. 
And a lot of people, they believed in what I was trying to do. I was hired as a young man to lead our nation, to, to change our, our government structure, to a system that allows for all those things. Um, we flexibility because all the communities are different. In simple terms, it's like a, how you incorporate a community in a state. They want, you want to be a town? You know, you're big enough, you put in your policies and procedures, your accounting systems, your finance systems, your, you know, your plan of how you can manage the land. You take over responsibility. That took about four years of my life, my career. I worked with elders and traditional leaders and community leaders, um, had massive, massive public policy process. It's something that has been the changer for Navajo Nation. I studied traditional systems of government. And I was very lucky to be surrounded by people that were really knowledgeable in tribal history, our history of our nation, and how things were a long time ago. So we, we incorporated a lot of those ways into our alternative systems of government, which is systems of governments that's based on the all way. Um, so a community that gets local government certified can adopt uh, like what's called a council of Nata. Which is a long time ago, like I was saying, you didn't, we didn't have elections. We didn't say, I'm better than so-and-so. We couldn't say that. That wasn't our way. Now community can adopt that and, and have precincts and have the elders come together and select and, and nominate and pick somebody to represent them and be accountable to them. It, it's a real innovation. It's real a breakthrough and I'm really proud to be the one that that created that it's easy to look at tribal peoples and say oh they're they're not wealthy they're um, they only doing casinos they're living in a third world conditions you know but what our people tell us is that wealth is not just big house it's not just big cars and, and, and fancy words. It's really our clanships and our family units and our traditional knowledge systems and having the knowledge to, to build your own home and, and farm but using 30,000-year-old knowledge, knowing the songs and the teachings and the stories, raising a family that's strong and, and leaving a legacy as, as your life. You know, A lot of us, we resist completely westernizing ourselves. We want something better. And I think only now, through education, through being raised in our tribal way still, but being matching that with, with the best tools, that we are finding the pathway to, to achieve a a, a, hojon, a a balance, a harmonious way. And Instead I think, of Koyaanisqatsi. Yeah. Most people, they want to be like America. They want a three-branch government and commerce, free market economy. But we have to be careful how we think that through. When we create governments, we have to really think about the, the old knowledge systems, the old ways. Because right now, our world is in trouble. Even our, our commerce systems and our economies are really built to, to benefit the wealthy. There are a lot of people in the world that are moving to that way of thinking, mm-hmm. non-Native people, who mm-hmm. also agree. Yeah. that there's no other way to do it. Yeah, we, we, we can feel it. The, the greater universe is telling us that this, this is the right way. Tony, thank you very much All for right. coming on yeah. the program. I thank, really enjoyed thank, it. Thank you for your time, and yeah, Come good, good luck, Berkeley. <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to Method to the Madness, a public affairs show on KALX Berkeley celebrating innovators. You can find all of our podcasts on iTunes University. Until next time.